Hello, and welcome to Single and Unashamed. My name is Beth, and I'm a Jesus follower who also happens to be single. I have ridden the wild roller coaster that is the emotions around singleness, and I think it's high time that we start talking about it more because the truth is that being single isn't a sin. It isn't a disease, and it doesn't define someone's value. While I've never actually thought it was a sin or a disease, I have doubted my value because of my singleness. And for more of my life than I care to admit, I was rattled with insecurities because I was still single. A lot of this comes from growing up and living in a Christian culture that frankly can idolize marriage. It comes from growing up with practically every movie, TV show, or book I watched or read, having a main plotline of happily ever after. And it comes from me looking for validation and love from a source that was never meant to satisfy me. I may still ride that roller coaster now and then, but I've got a healthier perspective now. A perspective that is rooted in the truth of who I am in Christ. A perspective that doesn't begrudge the story that God is writing with me. A perspective that has allowed me to fully enjoy life as it is, as a single woman, rather than waiting for it to magically start when I get married. I know I can't help every teen, college student, or yearning adult avoid all the heartbreak and tears I've experienced along the way, but I can start the conversation so hopefully more people can stop waiting for life to start when they finally get married and start living a full life now, single and unashamed. Each episode, I'll be having a conversation with a new guest talking about their experience with singleness, with the hope that these conversations will bring you closer to the truth that nothing is wrong with you if you are single and that you find people to relate to and learn from. All right. Well, our guest today is me. (laughs) Um, I have uh, my good friend, Allie. So if you listened to episode two, you heard me interview her. Um, But today she's swapping roles with me and she's going to take over um, my part as interviewer. Allie, how are you doing today? Woohoo! I'm great, Beth. Thanks so much for asking me to do this. I'm excited. Um, well, and this is fun because now that you're the guest, we get to ask you all kinds of questions and learn about you. So yeah, go ahead and get us started. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So if you have listened to the season or show trailer, um, you know, I'm 37. And um, but other than that, I um, work at a camp called New Life Ranch. Um, down here in Oklahoma and Arkansas, and um, I do our HR and staff development for that. And um, yeah, I just I love working in the the context of ministry, um, but also get to kind of work organizationally. It's been a fun shift for me. Um, so yeah, so I'm located in Oklahoma right now. Um, and yeah, other than that, I have a dog, um, Mr. Knightley, who, um, yeah, he is a handful and keeps me on my toes, but I love him a whole lot. Um, so yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Awesome. Thanks. Okay. So I have some like rapid fire questions for you. Okay. I love this part. And I'm excited about these. Yeah. Okay. Are you a Coke or Pepsi person? Coke, a hundred percent. Although I nice. prefer Dr. Pepper. Oh, it wasn't oh, an option. No, That's okay. I'm breaking the rules. 
I know that's all right. Um, are you a morning or night person or afternoon? <laughs> afternoon, a hundred percent. Yes. I started answering that way too. I was like, I don't like either early morning or late night. Um, okay. Harry Potter or Twilight? Oh, Harry Potter. No question. I knew, I knew that would be your answer. Well, the listeners need to know which house are you in? Oh, Gryffindor. It is official. Gryffindor. Yes. Good. It is official. Um, last question. If you could be any character in any movie, not book or TV show movie, who would you be? That's a, that's a deep question. (laughs) Wow. Um, this is, this is a little too hard. Okay. Movie. Okay. Well, can I do it if it's from a book? Okay. We'll break the rules. Yeah. Okay. I mean, (laughs) it's it's like first thing on my mind. I'm, I'm Elizabeth Bennett from Pride and Prejudice. Oh, I love that. Totally. That's a great answer. And I lied. This is my last question. What is something you're passionate about? So there are so many things I could answer for this, but I think one, people who listen to this, who know me are going to be anticipating this answer. So I'm not going to let them down. Two, I think it comes becomes relevant a little bit in some things I think we'll end up talking about. So I'm saying I'm passionate about personality assessments and personality typing. I, yeah, like (laughs) across the board, I just love learning how I tick and what motivates me Mm -hmm. to be a better person and just to like be a healthier person. And I love understanding how other people um, are wired the way that they are and how, and in that too, like how I can help them in that. So yeah, I just nerd out over all that stuff. Um, all right, well, let's get into it then. That was a good segue. Um, so tell me about singleness since that's why we're here. What has singleness, um, been like for you just over the span of your life? Um, I mean, I can't say it any other way than it was a roller coaster or is a roller coaster. I'm still single. You know, this is so loaded because obviously I started this podcast for a reason. It's been painful. And, you know, and I think that there's been lots of sources of that painful, but I think a lot of it stems ultimately from my assumption around singleness was that it was inevitably going to come to an end. And so every season of my life that I thought, I would be in a relationship or should be in a relationship. The pain came most of the time from my belief that it was inevitably going to end. And when it hadn't ended when I wanted it to, it was just wrapped with pain. Um, Because yeah, yeah, then all those things enter about, well, if it's ending for other people, then there must be something wrong with me because it's not ending for me. Molly says this in episode one, you know, in high school, I wanted a boyfriend too, but really I kind of had this justification that, well, it's high school. <laughs> so like, you know, those relationships aren't going to last anyway. Um, and so really I wanted a boyfriend and there was a lot of like boy craziness that went in in high school. Um, but really I was okay. Um, but that me that led me going into college assuming it was going to happen like 
this was oh, it. Yeah. It hadn't happened in high school. I understand that, but it is going to happen yeah. in college. I, my freshman year, oh, I'm not going to go into like the details of this, but I had, um, this big crush on this guy and was working, working it. Um, and it, it wasn't reciprocated. It ended up happening. Um, ended up like in this big fight with a friend um, and I was just miserable my second half of my freshman year mm. um, and as I look back right hindsight is 2020 as I look back at that um, specifically um, I really saw God like Santa Claus and um, because I was doing what I thought good Christian girls should do it was my understanding yeah. kind of in this inevitable timeline of things and seeing God as Santa Claus that I should get a boyfriend. Like that should be the result. Um, and so when I had this instance that freshman year of things really being painful um, and like lots of conflict, it was, it just like racked me. And so that was kind of, one cycle I think I've seen in my singleness is this expectation, this belief that I deserve it and then mm-hmm. it not happening and sometimes not happening really painfully and being this kind of cycle that caused a lot of, a lot of pain. I did end up meeting someone when I was in college at the camp that I worked at. Oh man, I like I thought it was it. Like I thought I had met the man I was gonna marry and eventually that ended and ended really well, it, it didn't necessarily end really poorly, ended really slowly, which brought a lot of anguish um and heartbreak. And so I then like carried a lot of heartbreak into my twenties. Um well I guess I was twenty at the time, into my later twenties. Um, in that, but I really think, yeah, I saw this cycle of crushes, dashed hopes, um, a smattering of first dates from online endeavors. Um, and, uh, and then in my late twenties, I ended up emotionally dating someone, um, that led to really another deep heartbreak. So we didn't actually, we weren't like official, but we dated, gotcha. you know, like, you know what I mean? Right. Okay. That's what you mean by emotionally dating. Like, yes, we, I mean, the amount that we were talking like how we were talking to each other. I mean, not in like really intimate ways, but like, like we were sharing life. Um, you were acting, like we a were acting like a couple with, um, without gotcha. it being official. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so that all kind of wrapped up my kind of mid to late twenties and before. And so as I got to 30, I just didn't understand. I had been involved in every area. I thought that people found husbands (laughs) or spouses, right? I had been a part of a campus ministry in college. Um, I worked at a Christian camp that gained the, the mantra um, new wife ranch because so many people would meet their spouses, right? Um, I went to seminary. I was a part of young adult groups at churches. I online dated. And yet here I was closing in on that ever dreaded number 
but I never thought that I would be single out and I was still single. And I can, and I remember in that time, actually 29 was way harder for me than three zero. But I, I remember looking back in that time and being like, I see such incredible growth. Like I see how I'm the woman that I am and how I'm becoming the woman that I, I really love because of a lot of the experiences in my past. I have, you know, such incredible friends, such incredible memories and work from that time. Um, but as I look back, man, I really feel like my 20s were swallowed up by my belief that a husband was inevitable. And it wasn't even necessarily that it was because I thought God was Santa. I had left that false image behind. But just because I'd never heard anyone else actually ever say anything different. Um yeah, and wow. so I really did going into my 30s felt like something was actually wrong with me and that all I had to do was was wait. And so every turn of the year, every birthday, I would journal and I would like think about and I would dwell on like, is this the year um, or would pray like, God, make this the year. And so I feel like that's kind of. I can't say in a nutshell, because I'm sure that was a really long <laughs> monologue there. <laughs> but like in a in a nutshell, that's what I feel kind of what I feel like my singleness has been kind of, you know, early 30s and, and, and my past. Well, I'm curious, you said a couple of things. Um, you talked about your assumption that singleness would come to an end. And um, you talked about your expectations about married, like getting married. And I'm just curious, like, I know for most of us, the desire for marriage starts very young and that's very normal and natural. And I'm curious about like what messages you heard as a young woman though, about like what created that assumption and that expectation. I mean, you said it yourself, you didn't hear anyone say otherwise mm -hmm. about marriage like yeah. you, you didn't hear people talk about singleness yeah so I'm curious like what were some messages that you heard that kind of I don't know played into that assumption and that expectation absolutely does that no it does I I think it's a lot of like peripheral and I think it's like cultural and then I think there are probably some unintentional kind of Christian messages so cultural, I mean, every story, right, that you think of from Disney to, you know, like the princess stories. I mean, even like, uh, I don't know if they consider this a princess story or not, but like the Lion King, right? Like Simba ends up with Nala, right? Like every yeah. story I think I could have ever read, watched, probably ended with a happily ever after ended with mm -hmm. the girl getting the guy or the guy getting the girl I mean like I like I just think about you know and that goes past like Hallmark and just like romantic comedies like it's everywhere it kind of that yeah. um image of love and like people ending up together spans all genres of story and really drives I think why people watch things, right? Because it feels it feels good. Like love yeah, feels really good. Absolutely. 
And so I think that that was probably a huge one was everything that I was steeped in always had that aspect. And then I think, you know, growing up in a Christian culture, you know, we're constantly talked about um, with healthy relationships between guys and girls. And, you know, and I would see, you would see advertisements or, you know, announcements, whatever, for like the marriage classes. And, and so I think, especially as a young girl, I think some of that was just the natural, like, you know, we dream about, and I was so boy crazy. I was so boy crazy. Um, and so, yeah, like, I think we, we just naturally dream about that. Then I think that was reinforced by like every story I was reading or watching was reinforcing that of, yeah, this is how the story ends. Um, and then I think to, there's just an undertone in Christian culture and maybe it is cross-culturally that there's like everything ends in marriage. Like that's the culmination Mm -hmm. ends in marriage happily ever after. Yeah. I even, I remember as a teenager, purity rings being, Oh yeah. I had one big deal. I did too. Yeah. And I I remember when I was older and realizing, Oh, that, that was telling my young brain, like you're waiting for something. And and that being marriage, you know, and so I, yeah, I think it's very prevalent yeah. in Christian culture. Like you said, I don't know about outside of that. Cause that's also yeah. what I grew up in. So speaking of rings, I ended up, cause I really liked, um, was really drawn to like Irish culture for a while mm-hmm. and had a claddo ring and, um, got it. And then like, you know, it was super fun. Like when I was dating someone, cause like the little heart, you know, do you know how that oh, works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So with yeah. your power ring, it has a heart in it and it faces towards you when you're taken and away from you. And, yeah. um, I, I mean, it eventually ended up like being a little too brittle and it broke. And so I didn't want to wear it anymore. But I also think about like, if I kept wearing that, it's this constant reminder to me, one that I'm not in a relationship and and just this like like I don't I, I don't know if I'm ever gonna get married. And that's mm-hmm. okay. And that doesn't have to be a lesson life. But the things that we sometimes do out of like a hope, like clinging onto the hope for something that we really desire can sometimes be really harmful. And so I think that I didn't stop wearing the ring because of it wasn't being helpful to me, but it would have been a helpful thing for me if I had been still wearing it and said, Hey, right now, this is a really unhealthy season for me to wear this. Um, and so I can take that off. Like I say this to people all the time. Like I love Hallmark movies, love them. Like I love the predictableness. (laughs) I love, um, just, it's always like happy and, you know, and I do love the ending, but I will say there are times that that is not helpful to watch. And I've had seasons where I've had to say, Ooh, this is making me really discontent in my singleness. Um, or it's giving yeah. me really un- unrealistic expectations about how meeting someone will go. And so I need to cut that off. And so anyway, that's kind of a bunny trail, but 
the your ring comment made me think of it. Yeah, no, that's good. Right, because we're not guaranteed marriage, and so those rings symbolize like that that underlying message of those rings for me it was your life is not whole yet mm. like you know you're waiting for this thing to happen and so I was like oh yeah that's not what Jesus tells us like <laughs> yeah because so. there wasn't conversation around those purity rings that it was about a, a a whole life set apart for Jesus it was about your future spouse and mm-hmm. so and there was when with that there was no conversation about well yeah you might not ever get married and that's okay yeah. and what does that look like and what is you know being um you know a whole set apart woman for Jesus look like right with a spouse or without yeah that was never a conversation right but yeah I wish it had been like a ring to symbolize exactly what you said like I'm devoting my life to Jesus, married or single. That's not the issue. Like, that's not the goal is marriage. Like, Jesus is the goal to be like Jesus. Yeah. So, um, well, let's, yeah. What, what do you see as like the stigma of singleness within Christianity? Let's just keep going down, down that way, that path. Yeah. Um, I think, man, I think there are a lot of stigmas. I mean, sadly, I feel like they're all negative, but. I that I could be wrong on that. Um, but I'll keep with I don't know if it's one or two, but the one or two that I have felt um have affected me the most. And so that is this stigma that marriage is inevitable. But with that, um, so maybe that's the one and this is the two, is that marriage is the end all be all. And like you said earlier, this message that comes across that when you're married, you're whole. And mm-hmm. so when that's the message that's getting across, it's this stigma that a single person is not whole. And, and I, man, I remember thinking, so I have, um, I have several siblings and I have one brother who's eight years older than me, um, and who is still a bachelor. And because he was eight years older than me when I was in college, he was out of college, obviously. And I remember having thoughts about his singleness and being really sad for him. And now being, I mean, I'm now past the age that he was like when I was having those thoughts and it like makes me emotional. Like now thinking about it because he's an incredible man and would be an incredible husband and an incredible father, but that isn't his circumstance. And he is still an incredible man and loves on like our nieces and nephews so well and like serves as a Sunday school teacher. So he's like caring for young kids in his singleness. And he's like doing incredible things with his friends um, in his singleness. and. Mm-hmm. So I like, I feel guilty as my younger self thinking that there was something wrong with him and not actually thinking that, but like, but kind of thinking it right. And like, then being insecure for so long, thinking that that's what people are thinking about me. 
And knowing that there's absolutely nothing wrong with me and that, um, yeah, just that like, so it's anyway, I don't even know where that came from. Um, but yeah, just this idea that of wholeness that a single person, or I guess that marriage equals wholeness. And so in the same strand, if they're not clarifying that that's not the only way in life or that wholeness doesn't come from marriage, it automatically sends a message to people who are single um, and raises our young people to have those thoughts about people who are older and single and then not equipped to, to like process well or to defend against shame when they get older and they're still single. Yeah. I I think we've all done that where you said that you felt sorry for him. And like, I think everyone has experienced like some form of sadness, like, Oh, that person, I wish, you know, they had what they wanted in marriage, you know? And so I think, I think we've all been there and yeah, that's, that's hard. It's hard to like put yourself in their shoes or like put yourself on the other side. Like I think about people who are married or married at a younger age they will never experience hopefully what it's like to be single as an older person. And, um, and so they don't always walk through that process in their mind of like, they don't, you don't have to be sad when you're single. Cause I get that a lot too of, Oh, I'm so sorry. You're single. And it's like, well, okay, but I'm, it's not a sad thing. I have my moments. Sure. But like overall, that's like the only comment that I get and it yeah it makes me should I be sad (laughs) yeah so how have how have people responded to you personally about your singleness like how have you what responses have you gotten from people good or bad about your singleness you know honestly I am so incredibly thankful because I have had so little negative I don't know if it's just negativity well, I guess I'll say I'm just really blessed because I have people who have been really healthy about this in my life. So mm, that's awesome. Um, you know, I, I can think of so many times when I've watched a Hallmark movie and they have the main character, main female character's family, like be the type that the second they come home for a holiday, they're asking like, well, when are you going to get married or when are you going to start dating or what, you know, like all these barrage of questions. That's probably, I know people who go home to that. Um, Like in real life, it's not just a movie. And I, man, I just thank the Lord so much for how my family has reacted to my singleness. Yeah. I, I don't get those questions. And I think, you know, I know sometimes when I was younger, like to be asked questions it's hard for me to just offer up answers to go to my nerdy passion of assessments that's like I think part of my nineness of kind of always wondering if people actually really want to know me and so um, I do remember sometimes wanting like my mom or my friends if I was struggling with it I wanted them to ask me like hey or how are you doing with this or um, you know like but not asking like, why aren't you dating or, you know, what's wrong with you or when are you going to do this? And so, yeah, I've, I've been really 
really blessed with a family who hasn't put, hasn't asked me things in a way to put shame on me about my singleness. And I would say as I've gotten older, there have been less people in the periphery, kind of like when I go home to my parents, that those kind of people who I grew up with, like those adults that I grew up as a child with, I get less of those questions maybe because I don't know if they've given up hope, but (laughs) maybe they've learned that those questions aren't helpful. (laughs) And I I hope so. I really hope so. But yeah, I I have been really blessed in that. And I like am walking through life with someone who does not have family who asks good questions. They ask Mm. hurtful questions. And Mm. I know how painful that is. Well, for people who are listening, who have single friends, what advice would you give them? Or like, how, what is a healthy response? Like, what would you hope to, to hear from people? Please stop asking people when they're going to start dating or why they aren't in one. It's just not helpful. And more often than not, you're causing emotional harm Um, because believe it or not, we are aware of the fact that we are not in the relationship. Um, and yeah, so it's just asking when or why just isn't helpful. It makes a person feel like there's something wrong because they're not in a relationship. And the truth is that there's nothing wrong with that person. I want to celebrate relationships. They are beautiful. They are God ordained. There is, uh, so much uniqueness and refinement and transformation, not to mention like making babies and and (laughs) building families and um, things like that, that are just beautiful and are holy and, and um, should be celebrated. And I want to celebrate, like, I don't want to go to the other end where I'm saying, Hey, I'm glorifying singleness because to be honest, both, situations of life are things to be celebrated because it's a person's life and so um you know I think that when people ask me why or when it really is glorifying that there's something like perfect in a romantic relationship and man I have heard from lots of my married friends but it's not perfect. It does. It is not a solution to all of your problems, to all of your insecurities. In fact, it's like a magnifying glass, from what I hear. You know, on all of those things, and and it's hard, and it's a lot of work. And so, I think let's get away from creating this rose-colored, filtered picture that romantic relationships are the end-all, be-all um, by asking why or when. Yeah. And then I would say, proceed with caution when asking about someone's dating status, um, because you may be opening up like a healing wound, um, and then pouring salt in an open one, or maybe causing a fresh one. And so instead, remember that they're a person outside of a romantic relationship, be curious about what God is doing in and through them, first and foremost. And if you're close enough with a person, and want to be supportive, ask instead a question like, are you dating someone right now? And listen for cues on how they're answering about how they're feeling to be able to 
like, hey, do they want, do they need to talk about this? Do they need to express the pain that they're feeling or the insecurities that they're feeling? Um, but really look for cues of that. And within that, affirm them as a person, regardless of if they're dating or how they're feeling about dating. And, you know, please don't ask, you know, like, well, why aren't you dating or what have you tried um, or try to give solutions unless they ask. Yeah. Because those things just, they're just not helpful. And then, I mean, with that number one thing I wish people would do in their reactions to people about their singleness is um, really what we should be doing for all people. Um, whether they're romantically involved or not, is to value them where they're at and to point them to Jesus, period. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Speaking of Jesus, what what are your thoughts like about, uh, like how how have you seen and felt God in your singleness? Yeah, let's bring him into the equation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Man, um, I think because it felt inevitable, right? Like inevitably I was not going to be single anymore because of that in my seasons of singleness, I asked why a lot, but when I would get past the why question and I would make it just about me and Jesus. And I don't mean in the creepy way of like, I'm dating Jesus now, so I don't need to date anyone. (laughs) That's like not what I'm talking about. Right, right. But when I really stopped asking the why and stopped making the focus that I wanted a relationship or that I didn't want a relationship or whatever, when I just made it about seeking him and his kingdom, Matthew 6 talks about, or has Jesus telling his disciples, if you seek first his kingdom, all of these other things that you're worrying about are going to be added to you. The things that you need are going to be given to you. And so that's like what I've clung to is that truly in my most content times of singleness, which I'm in one right now, it has come from keeping my soul focus on Jesus and my relationship with him and what he's calling me to do in this moment today. And the rest may not necessarily like just fall away and be totally oblivious to that. But the more that I would come and say, no, 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 no. Like you are the most important thing. I'd I'd be here with me. I want to be here with you. The pain of singleness would get further and further and further away. I don't think that it's necessarily ever totally out of the picture, but the loudness of whether that's my own voice, my own desire, or the enemy trying to use that, Mm. that voice gets quieter. Um, and, And so... I guess how I've seen and felt God in all of it is that truly like he's, he's a, like, he's the source of joy, of peace, of fulfillment, of good relationships, of just like all of the things that I thought came with marriage. It's not a lie. It's actually right there in Jesus. And, um, and so that doesn't mean that life is easy or pain-free or, conflict free or whatever 
it just means that he's in it with you. And so everything can be handled in it with him. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, and you said uh, earlier when you mentioned the scripture from Matthew, things you need will be given to you. I, you know, I think that's so true. Like, we don't need marriage. And I think that's hard for me because, you know, so many of us do desire it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that's such a good reminder. Christ will provide what we need. And I just have to trust according to him, marriage is not something I have needed so far. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a hard truth, but it's good. So do you have any other advice you'd like to share for anyone listening? Yeah. I mean, for married people, be honest with young singles, especially that was one of the greatest gifts I have ever been given from some mentors and some friends, you know, um, a couple years older than me who really invited me in, in appropriate ways, not inappropriate right. sharing, but in an appropriate transparency of just the hard work and the lack of it filling all of their needs. Um, that was just really helpful. So please, please do that for everyone. There's a, a book that I recently read prior to um, starting the podcast, just to see like what voices were out there about singleness. It's called Party for One, Party of One. In that book, uh, she talks about this image of living life as a parade and not a race. And so for everyone, I would just say, live life as a parade, not a race. So don't make a relationship or any other thing your end goal. You're running towards the finish line. Make Jesus, not just the end goal, but kind of your parade partner, <laughs> right? Of yeah, you're, you're just experiencing your life, right? You think about an image of a parade. You're on a float. You're enjoying life. Yeah. It's about a slow and steady pace, and it's actually yeah. not about the end because the end is like, oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> um, it's over. <laughs> and so, yeah. So, living life as a parade and not a race, um, and enjoying it with whoever you end up on that float with. And then for people who are single, my advice is just fight, fight against the bitterness, against the insecurities, against the lies. Don't give up. You have, you know, especially if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you who empowers you to do really hard things that you never thought you could. And so be brave, be courageous in that um, and keep fighting those lies. That's awesome. I actually, that makes me think of something I was going to tell you about that you'd be excited. There's an Instagram account that I follow, and I'm not going to say which one it is, but they had posted something about singleness, and it was all it said on the like the picture part was singleness equals, um, I think the word was preparation that they used. Let me look. Yep, singleness equals preparation. And in the description or the caption, they wrote a little bit more, but people's comments were what interested me because there were a lot of single people speaking up and saying, we get what you're trying to say, however, because it is a Christian account. And um, they said, you know, we get that 
you know, we are lucky to have more time and focus and et cetera. But an underlying message that you're putting out there is that we are in, we are incomplete and we're waiting for wholeness. And so we're supposed to be preparing for that. And so people were calling them out saying, make sure that you explain we are single or married. We are preparing for Jesus and we are preparing to be in heaven with our Lord. And so on earth we are loving and we, you know, and it was just so cool to see so many comments of people very kindly. I was very, (laughs) very impressed. They were very lovingly and kindly calling out the those hidden messages that we've been receiving for decades about singleness that's awesome and I you were the first person I thought of and I was like ah Beth is gonna love this (laughs) I do I do and again it's um yeah that makes me really happy because this whole thing is about starting the conversation it's about absolutely right because there is no magic formula there's no formula yeah. to contentment. There's no formula to a perfect marriage. Like it's, mm-hmm. it really is hard work, working towards transforming of ourselves. It, yeah, again, it's, it's about the conversation. And so those people bringing that up is helping in that conversation. So I'm glad that they did that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and your thoughts. And thanks for letting me host. <laughs> Absolutely. So fun. Thank you for hosting and mm-hmm. um, for kind of swapping sides with me so that I could also share my story. Yeah, absolutely. Well, to our listeners, we hope that you were encouraged. And we certainly hope that the conversation doesn't stop here. Um, If you are single and you feel ashamed of that, we just pray that you would dig in with the Lord and your trusted people um, to start a journey towards freedom from that shame, because you, friend, are valued and loved regardless of your relationship status. All right, we'll catch you on another episode of Single and Unashamed. Bye.